welcome. This is Mibbit Marketing and I am your host, Rachel Claver. I love helping small business owners become more confident and more capable with their marketing. So this podcast is all here to help you do just that. It's me and the help of some great guests helping you learn new skills, new strategies and ideas. Let's jump in and get started. There is so much I love about our topic today and today's guest, Bailey Hughes, started brain play because she could see there was a gap between what teachers felt confident teaching when it came to STEM-related topics such as robotics and programming for young learners and what children wanted to learn and how they wanted to learn. So she started to run after-school programs in several schools with students, with teach, sorry, tutors who were university students. And she did that because then they were closer to age to the people coming, making them more relatable, which I think is a majorly awesome move. Brainplay has now grown into a web of schools across Auckland and New Zealand and now also offers holiday programs and school programs and support and training to staff wanting someone to help simplify the STEM skills our children need to expose themselves to to be ready for the new world that they're living in, which is so different to the world that I grew up in. Old lady here. All right, now in her late 20s, Bailey's starting to reshape and evolve her business, which is also really exciting and a real reminder to us that our business offerings, goals, and message doesn't need to stay stagnant. Our Business can evolve and change with us as we change and fitting into our life as it changes rather than us trying to squish a business that no longer fits us into the life that we're living in. This podcast is about the business Bailey grew, Brainplay, and the marketing she did to get it there with a hat tip to the future of Brainplay and Bailey. I'm really looking forward to this podcast and I hope you enjoy it too. Bailey is a client that I got to work with a few years ago during COVID stuff when everything was shut down and it was so great to catch up with her. If you've got questions or you'd like to find out more about um, how we run things and how we work or you just want some help with your marketing, come and be part of the Map It Marketing Facebook group, uh, same name as this podcast and you can ask any questions in there and get a bit of support for your small business. Right, let's get started talking to Bailey. Hi, and welcome to Map It Marketing. I'm your host, Rachel Claver. And before we jump into talking to our amazing guest today, Bailey Hughes, I wanted to thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for the kind things you say to me. Thank you for the people who stop me in public and randomly know who I am and tell me that you listen to the podcast. It's kind of cool. A little bit scary, but kind of cool. And I also just want to say, you know, if you've got any questions or you feel like you want to talk about the podcast, then you definitely can just come and be part of our Facebook group, Map It Marketing on Facebook. Plus, I have got a cool little gizmo on my website. So the rachelclaver.com podcast page now has a little video that if you click on it, you can leave me a voice message or a text message that I can either read out on the show or I can reply back to and talk to you. So you can always do that as well whenever you like. Right, without much further ado, um, I really am excited to um, have Bailey on our show today. I I had the privilege of working with her a few years ago, um, and I loved her business model. I loved everything she did. I think she's amazing in what she's managed to accomplish And what I also really like is I haven't had many business owners who work in the STEM area. And um, as my daughters will say, um, what is a man doing STEM? STEM belongs to women, which I quite think is quite hilarious. Um, So... (laughs) 
<laughs> so Bailey is going to show us that Kim does belong to a woman. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, I sure really am. Cool. Um, so Bailey, do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown about who you are and actually what brain play does and how it came about? What's all those things? <laughs> yeah, sure. So my name's Bailey Hughes. I started brain play nearly six years ago now. Um, I'm 27, about to be 28, mm. uh, and I've been working full-time at Brain Play for the last six and a half years, uh, sorry, five and a half years. So I pretty much dived in, um, quit my day job, and just sort of said, I'm going to start this business. Um, so I think that was back in March, it must have been 2017, and back then I was just running after-school classes focusing on coding, um, so for kids from the ages of five through to 15. And since then, we've transformed completely. So now I sort of have to say that Brainplay is an activity provider. We provide in-school classes, after-school classes, events, holiday programs. Um, we work for organisations like Auckland Council and Ministry of Education. And it's all based on getting kids involved in science and technology. So we've come a long way. <laughs> and do you feel like the demand has grown because people are starting to, like I, I think about, you know, like you're a lovely under 30 year old woman. Um, I am over 50 and I was one of the first generations that did computers. We had like Commodore 64s in our classrooms. Um, and, um, and, you know, it's like pretty cool. And I, and I, it was big for us to learn programming. Like it was the first time we, we would all like learn programming and, and that was part yeah. of what we did. And I had to write code. It's very different to programming today. Um, like really specific code. And, and, which wasn't great for me because I've got ADHD. So if I'd miss a comma somewhere and the code would not work, it was not good. But, yeah. but do you feel like this is this new wave again now of people realizing that parents realizing that this is a really good opportunity for their children to get an interest and kind of work that out early? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of things that play into people sort of being interested in something like brain play. Um, I think one of them is kind of like with the world that we live in, parents have to go to work. Like there's mm. not an option for a parent, you know, some parents can't pick their kids up from school at 3 o'clock p.m. Um, so I think it's kind of like a world where parents are looking for like the best option for their kids when they're not able to be with them. Mm. Um, so I think when parents see brain play after school, they've heard of coding because there's kind of a lot of buzz around it um, at the moment and there has been for the last few years. Yeah, they hear about coding, they hear about robotics, and then they kind of compare the options and they're sort of like, look how great this is. My child can walk straight over after school. They can have afternoon tea and they can actually do something really educational, um, you know, that can really benefit their future. I think there's a little bit of that convenience factor, which we're happy to capitalise on. You know, mm -hmm. we'd love to have your kids and we'd love to sort of get them involved in something educational. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot more understanding, a lot more buzz around sort of coding and robotics and science and girls in STEM. So, yeah, it's, people are starting to understand more, I believe. Do you feel like, has that been also, because I know that when we first talked too, there was more of, I think, I, I might be wrong, I might have misremembered this right, wrong, but there was more of a male-dominated yeah. split. But has that changed? Is that changing? Yeah, absolutely. So I know uh, in terms of our role, we did have like a lot of boys coming through. Mm. Um, in terms of our team, we have a lot of girls. Obviously, I'm a girl, so I want to kind of like get the girls stuck in. Um, it is definitely changing now. We used to sort of have 
boys come along and their sisters or their cousins who they were with would sort of um, be present, but they wouldn't be the ones that were booked in for brain play. But now we get siblings coming along together. Um, we have a student who's four who comes along, which is like my gorgeous. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Sounds ridiculous, like for a four-year-old to be coding, but I'm sure we'll talk later about like how that's possible. Um, but yeah, and then getting the girls like from our team going into the classrooms, it gets the girls like really excited about STEM. So it's definitely changing. And, and, and a question with that, because obviously as you are, you know, 27, almost 28, um, do you yeah. think that part of this is like what age are your uh, teachers or tutors? Are they are younger do they tend to be younger so that there's that because yeah. there's that gap isn't there's that magical gap isn't there for role models where if they're a bit yeah. too old they get start seeing like a parental figure but if they're closer yeah. in age it makes it easier yeah so we kind of have a bit of a philosophy of young people uh teaching young people so that was something that I actually picked up from uh one of my first proper jobs I guess when I was a student we had that same philosophy and before I worked at that workplace I was a student at that workplace so like a tuition situation Mm. Um, and I found that having someone relatable and something that someone sorry that I genuinely liked it kind of encouraged me to go to the classes even if I wasn't necessarily fussed on the material that we were learning Mm. Um, yeah so I found that that made a real impact on me so I did sort of carry that through to brain play and I think the students do see us as role models and they also, you know, like we could joke with each other, we can kind of push the boundaries. Um, there's like a good respect piece that comes along with it because, you know, they, they genuinely like us and we genuinely get along. So, yeah, there's, I think I might be the oldest person at Brain Play. Um, <laughs> by actually, yeah, by about five years or so. So I think wow. I'm definitely the oldest person there. But yeah, it seems to work really well, that model. And does that mean too, if they're younger, that there is more of a transitional thing with staff that you do? Because te- they must be most of them must be uni students, or yeah. is that right? You're picking up many students, definitely. And that has been something that's quite challenging for me. Um, obviously, I work very full time, so having people that don't work full time, there are a lot of challenges that come with that. Um, but we have recently sort of made a few transitions post all the lockdowns and now my team works sort of a decent amount of time per week so at least like 15 to 20 hours and Mm. they're involved in all aspects so after school classes in school holidays so they kind of get an understanding of the dynamic of students that come through everywhere not just Mm. like their one specific class they would teach so yeah some challenges but we've got a really strong team at the moment so I'm very happy. And when you're doing, let's just talk about the regional space because obviously we haven't even talked about, like, as as people that are, um, well, we're not really, we're not really Aucklanders because we live on the coast, but we're in the Auckland region. <laughs> um, but like, as as Aucklanders, like, where where are you operating? Like, what is your geographical area? You're not nationwide, are you, through New Zealand? No. So I personally, um, I, lot of, I do a lot of work through the Ministry of Education. So I worked anywhere from Whangaparoa on the Hibiscus Coast all the way through to Waiuku, which is out in South wow. Auckland. Um, so I cover like like pretty much all of Auckland, I guess. Mm. Um, but then our permanent locations, we're sort of from the Hibiscus Coast out to central Auckland, a few things in the west, um, a lot on the North Shore. And then we also do online classes so we can capture um, mm. kids from down the country as well. 
And do you think that, like, because obviously, like we talked really briefly just before the podcast started, that obviously COVID-19 has been a real disruptor to so many businesses, but particularly like in schools where, you know, there's been so much sickness this winter and all those sort of things. And like, I know my daughter's at Whangapuroa College and um, I was thinking, should I say that? Is that a privacy issue? Oh, oh, well. They've gone to four, four days a week because of sickness and they've, you know, yeah. and those sort of things. And and so I feel like that must be tough kind of having to manage that sort of up and down situation, you know, when mm. you're trying to run a business as well. So tough. So we, I think there was like a good, maybe between six and nine months, that schools weren't accepting contractors mm-hmm. on site. Too risky. Um, and we technically, what was that, sorry? Too risky. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. And, you yeah. know, if I'm coming in, I'm not just seeing one group of students. I'm moving around the whole school. Yeah. So I, I completely understood. Um, but just because I understood didn't mean that it didn't feel really unfair, mm-hmm. you know. And that was for a lot of reasons. It's no one's fault and, like, it was no one's decision. Everyone was just trying to do their best. But, yeah, as a business owner, it was just, so frustrating because I had an awesome team we had the awesome content we've got all the gear but we just physically couldn't get into classroom and so do you feel like that's starting to turn a corner now like I feel like well at the moment we're recording this it's been nice weather for the last three days or something so I feel like spring's here but do you feel like I know (laughs) yeah so I think I, the way I sort of see it going, and like I'm very hopeful, um, but I also I have to be very realistic because we've just had to be for the last few years. Um, but I definitely think we are at the end of returning to the way things had been. Like I don't, I can see a world maybe next winter where, you know, restrictions sort of get tighter and people get a bit more weary. Um, but I just think everyone has missed like, the socialization, the specialist attention, um, like from in terms of schools getting involved in tech and, and science, sometimes we're their only um, program throughout the year that covers that. So to not have seen us for two years, like the school is, you know, they really, really want to get us through and we really want to be there. Um, yeah, so I think as summer comes around and things sort of get uh, get away from sickness in winter I do think things are getting back on track and people are getting more involved and schools are happy to have us through so yeah we've got plans in case that doesn't last um, but ideally I would love for that to last. So one of the things I find really interesting with the um, with the space around STEM and coding and robotics and those sort of things and, mm-hmm. and we did talk before and I, um, you, you alluded to getting into like how can you teach coding to a five-year-old and I think that's quite an interesting topic. <laughs> But I, I think one of the things I'd love to know, because you have been going for, you know, over six years, have you seen people, mm. have you been able to stay in touch with some of those original students? Have they maintained an interest or has it just kind of been like another hobby thing that they've kind of picked up? Have you had some kids who have kind of got really into moving into something because of what you've done? Yeah, definitely. So we have a few students who are still here that have been with us from the start, um, which is just crazy because obviously we've had to change as they've changed because Mm -hmm. at the beginning I tried to plan like two years worth of content, um, but then people request things, like new things come out, that's always changing. We've got a few students who have stuck with us and then we've got a few students who actually tutor at Brainplay now. Oh, that um, is so awesome. So I know that they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know they've continued that journey. Like it's become 
kind of not a lifelong because they're still young but like it you know it's been learning outside of brain play uh, which is really yeah. cool to see so yeah we definitely get a lot of familiar faces um along to events and things and then yeah we get a few people touching base about um what they're doing at school and like sending projects through so yeah I think we've made a lasting impact um but my goal is not necessarily the lasting impact it's sort of the exposure so mm-hmm. that at least students can make an educated decision on whether it's for them or not. Um, yeah. I think that exposure was severely lacking. Yeah, I yeah. think that, you know, because I've got um, three daughters who are all very English and history based and mm-hmm. it's great, but I do feel sometimes that I wish they had had more exposure to some more of the STEM opportunities because for them, they still see, STEM for them just means engineering and it's so much yeah. more than that and I'm not saying anything against engineers by the way but you know like there's this kind of real line around what things can be and they can't often see the creative side of a lot of the STEM stuff that you can do um, which bothers me as a mum of three girls you know and I and I so I think yeah. it's so important so let's talk about that with five-year-olds and coding like mm. how what are you doing you're obviously not getting to sit at computers to do that Yeah, so it's more about the computational thinking, sorry. Um, So getting them to sort of put things in order, trying to spot mistakes, um, sequencing, and then picking up on some just very basic concepts. So like there's no expectation of syntax, there's no expectation of spelling, commas, um, brackets, none of that. It's sort of getting them into a mindset where they're ready to solve problems, they're ready to look for alternative solutions if what they try doesn't work. Um, so it's kind of like puzzles, colours, directions. So it is on the computer or uh, with our younger ones, we'll use like a touchscreen device. We just the other day taught a year zero class um, at a school, which I'm not usually open to because obviously there's so many challenges that come along with that. Yes, there are. Um, just and like massive, massive respect for teachers who, you know, teach the whole year of um, year zero. But yeah, we had a timetable clash, so we kind of just jumped in um, and we were there on Tuesday and the kids started school on Monday. So there's no, oh, got no idea of context, wow. like the bell doesn't mean anything to them, what's the mat, you know, there's all yeah. questions like that. Um, but yeah, we just sort of like gave it a go. We said, we'll do 45 minutes, we'll, you know, have our class discussions, we'll get some Lego as part of it. Um, and the ideas that they were sharing were on a credible, I was blown away like even to know what a robot is to know what is inside a robot to know why is this desk not a device but why is this ipad a device like they were able to those are good thinking questions yeah absolutely you've really got to um phrase it you know in a certain way and yeah kind of get them to visualize so yeah i was i was sort of blown away by how much they could take in and they're sort of like a generation who is raised with technology anyway so it's yeah. not that much of a stretch to kind of get them creating their own pieces of technology. I actually was watching a TikTok yesterday of this six-year-old kid who obviously is an outlier like this is unusual yeah. for any six-year-old but he was mixing music tracks and he had did this thing where he was like sampling little bits of sound and then doubling them. And then he was saying like doing a bit of a vocal and then changing the modulation of it or making it a bit more syncopated. And he was layering this track and then he wrote this song and I'm just like, (laughs) I was like, well, I thought I was kind of okay with, with computer stuff, but I think I'm just going to go and burn my computer now. Like it was just, I, I think we do, 
we do underestimate how savvy but what yes. you're what you're teaching and I think this is really important is it's not the savviness that makes us more open to stem or more open to robotics or computing it's the the brain process that you're teaching that that yes. questioning thinking that that process of working out and finding what the problem is or getting things in the right order that's what you're teaching Definitely. And we, every lesson we start with a discussion. So there's a topic So we'll, for example, we'll learn about artificial intelligence um, and we'll watch a video and then we'll have like our critical thinking questions. Mm. Um, Because I think what's really important is like these kids are on the internet, so they're seeing Mm. all sorts of stuff, but do they know how to filter like what is fact and Mm. what is not? Um, Because we don't, there's no, we don't actively teach that. Like there's no specific conversations that I know of in schools and things where we teach Mm. you know to think about what you've seen on really maybe like year 10 11 like they start but yeah but younger they don't and by then it's too late in lots of ways well yeah potentially I mean I haven't been around long enough I guess to see the impacts Mm. um but yeah there are already changes and I've only sort of been in the space for you know nearly six years and I'm already seeing changes um but yeah, it's definitely the life skills that we want to work on. But technology is kind of like the vessel to get us there, knowing that it's going to be around and it's going to be more prevalent and most likely their job is going to involve some aspect of what we're teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so resilience is a massive one. Like we, you know, like being able to keep yourself going and keep yourself motivated and not get discouraged when you can't get the answer right. I think that's mm-hmm. massive, not just for coding, but, you know, for just all aspects life. of learning and all aspects oh, of life. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. One of the things I'm quite curious about is, like, obviously your model is a lot of it centred around schools. And, yeah. you know, along with you, I've worked with quite a lot of other business owners who are going into schools or using skills I used to do facilitation for early childhood so I understand mm-hmm. you know how hard it can be to get past gatekeepers and things like that what role is is it quite a symbiotic relationship between you and the school in terms of marketing like if you're in a school and you're doing yeah. like after school care there or things like that is it your job to promote it or do they help or is it their job like how does it work so most of the time it's most definitely us Mm. um so it's kind of and there there are a lot of reasons that it's this way um and I'm I don't know how I feel about it I haven't really I guess thought about it until you've asked the question I think I've just kind of accepted that that's the way it is and then done what I can but a lot of the time it's very transactional so we use the space at their school uh we advertise like we collect the care we check attendance um we drop flyers off and the schools do hand those out and they do pop us in newsletters, which is amazing. But it's definitely transactional. So we are yeah. utilising a space at the school. Yeah, so you're basically using their space and also you've got a ready audience in lots of ways that you can yeah. market to. And do they tend to have other... Because I know that at some schools, I worked with someone who had a swim school and she said one of her issues was they'd have like an after-school program um, there might be four after-school program operators at that school and you're all kind of yes. competing with each other. Is that the same? Like, does that happen? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. how it is. Yeah, so most, a lot of the time, because we've had a really long-standing relationship with our school, so we, once we start somewhere, we try to stay there um, because then, you know, we can build awareness and mm-hmm. familiarity and 
um, yeah, people start to learn that we're there and they know that we're always going to be there. That mm. obviously has changed uh, just with not being able to be in person yeah. for the last wee while. Um, ask me the question again, sorry, do you mind? No, so, do you, so do you find like that challenge with that competition thing? Like does it feel good? With the that, others. Yeah. Yeah, so we, sorry, I had a lot of thoughts going on in my mind. I know, I, I'm the same. Um, I sometimes like then go, hang on a minute, what was the question? I'm yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. Thank you. I know, I know you get it. Um, yeah, so we do. So we, if we've got that long-standing relationship, then we often we're the only one in the STEM domain that, that will be there that they'll sort of allow in but in saying that there's a lot of schools that we work alongside other providers like they'll just come on day and then we'll just go on a Wednesday um, and then parents can just have the choice of what one sort of Makes fits sense. their child better or yeah so it's it's just the reality of um, all these like wonderful after school options yeah. for kids but yeah we definitely do compete. Mm. And do you feel that um in terms of like, because you do holiday programs as well, which yeah. one feeds into the other? Do you feel like being in a school helps feed into the holiday program or does the holiday program feed into the school or is it doesn't, you can't really see a difference between the two? It is both. It's mm. definitely both ways. We get a lot of um, casual families or first time mm. families through the holidays because yeah. it's kind of, I suppose it's less of a commitment and also, um, it's a time where childcare is most definitely needed. So we get a lot of new families through in the holidays. And then if they love it, they ask questions about like, oh, how do we do it more? And then we tell them our after school options. And then the other way is we have kids who always come after school every term they're with us. And then every school holidays, it's like a nice, easy option for their parents because they know they love it and they know they're well taken care of. Um, yeah, so they kind of feed into each other. And with the school holiday programs, do you tend to have that in a different place to where you would be running that that term time stuff so that you're amalgamating more than one school together? Or do you have, mm -hmm. are you running those in each school space? Like, uh, what, what works best? Yeah, so I think at the moment we run, I think it's between eight and ten different schools mm -hmm. after school during the term. Yeah. And then four holidays we come together and we just pick three locations. So kind of... Um, like central to all the after school stuff that we do so people don't often don't mind traveling a little bit further um and then yeah we get like new people that come along and we try to pick like locations that are accessible um or like a venue where there's lots of events going on so hopefully people will see us and think oh amazing I'm going to try them uh, next holiday so yeah we we condense down but people are sort of willing to travel which is really cool because one of the things I really like about people who like you who are working in it within a school model is you actually get to use flyers, which is so, so something that doesn't really work in so many different industries now. But it does. Yeah. If, like I know that if I get a flyer, I'm going to read it. You know, so I mean, it has to yeah. make it out of the school bag. Like, and I never want to look at the school bag. So, like, that's a bit of a problem. Um, but if the child was motivated, like, if it was like the lucky book club thing, I know I was always going to get it. So, I guess children that are excited are going to yeah. pass it on. But do you? What other yeah. marketing do you do? Do you feel that you need it? You're needing to do that social media to kind of get in the eye of people, um, or is it not being so important? You do, you just do it because you have to do it, but you don't feel like it's actually generating stuff yeah I definitely think we we utilize it because we know we should yes. um and I know with our topics if I say coding it doesn't always mean something to everyone mm. so 
I definitely think it's important we have the social media so people can jump on and they can, you know, visually see what does that look like. Yeah. Um, so we do use it, but we do see a massive increase in like inquiries and bookings and free trials when we do um, flyer deliveries to schools or if we push out um, like an ad to a school newsletter. So that's mm. kind of like definite spikes and people getting in touch. Um, but yeah, we get like questions through... Um, Facebook and Instagram and we find that the community pages we often share content to the community pages and like people go crazy um, for events and like if we do something in collaboration with Auckland Council we'll tag them in and then we can reach their audience as well so yeah it's definitely useful and I think we would never do one or the other we'd always sort of do them in conjunction. Because one of the things that does make your business um, challenging to market is that you've got kind of like your audience is mm-hmm. like the people you're working with are the children but the people yeah. with the money are the parents and the parents yeah. don't often see the stuff and so they're relying on this child to sell what you're doing in lots of ways to the parent it's really confusing and I always sort of get conflicted like who is our customer yeah um yeah so you're exactly right you know like parents want the educational aspect and kids want to have fun mm. so it's like how do we sort of balance that um so it's taken a long time but we I think we're we're getting pretty close so Mm. yeah there's always a good aspect of learning and critical thinking and then we try to pick like really fun game-based programs to go along with that so that kids are just as interested as their parents Mm. want them to be um like Minecraft is such a good one like it's so much fun and every kid loves it but it's also very educational Mm. so yeah we've managed to kind of strike that balance uh, what really helps, though, is we run like our free open days and our free trials where parents can wow. attend with their kids. Good idea. And then, yeah, and then they can get an understanding of like, if we say we're doing robotics, what does that look like? What does it look like for a five-year-old? Um, how do you teach kids who are new alongside kids who are returning for their fourth term? Mm. So it kind of like breaks down any misunderstandings or um, we get to answer any questions that people have and they don't have to join they can just gather the info then they can have a think about it and then they can make their educated decision because I think that one of the things that um that makes it really powerful that open day is it is a thing that your ch- the children the enthusiastic children are bringing along do, what, how do you market those yeah. do you market those with flyers within the school as well yeah we do so we We do market those with flyers, but what we find works really well is um, we use sites like Eventbrite and EventFinder. Like parents go through and they have a look like what's free, what's coming out this weekend. They can search keywords like 3D printing or robotics Mm -hmm. or whatever they're sort of interested in. Um, And we get a lot of bookings through those avenues. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely more social media based, that stuff. I was talking about that with a business association last night because um, we we're talking about people yeah. coming to her event. And one of the things I said was if you put it on Eventbrite, you're using the marketing machine of Eventbrite because I use it as well. Mm. It's fantastic. It pushes things out way beyond what we often have and beyond us. So it does make a lot of yeah. sense to do that. And you're right. Like as someone who used to have three young children, you really do look for those mm. free events that are going to keep your kids stimulated and fill a couple of hours, you know, like you really want to yeah. see that. So I can see that that would be a really great way to bring people on. And do you feel like one of the things that people often worry about with free events or open days or things like that is mm-hmm. that 
there's like people who obviously come just because it's free. Do, have you had like a juggle mm. between that thing of going, oh, look, here's that person again who keeps on turning up for the three thing they haven't seen? Do you, get, do you see that happening? Like lots of people, or do you go, well, that's just part of what marketing is for me? Yeah, so we, we're actually quite lucky um, because we do deliver a lot of free events for the community anyway. Mm. And the way we do that is like through partnerships, like um, Auckland Council is like a massive supporter of Brainplay, which is very cool. So they will fund us to run an event that is free for the community to attend. So we actually like when people come along when it's free because it's like getting the community activated um, and, you know, they might come along to four free events and then they've seen everything, they love it, and then maybe they're ready to take that next step to actually invest themselves into one of our programs that's not funded by council. So, yeah, we do get a few people, but I would say for the most part, people have genuine intentions. Um, and I think it's because we assign a booking process so it's not kind of just like put your email down and show up it's like here's the booking process give us your kids ages what schools they go to um like any important notes we should know so I think there's slightly more involved which kind of brings in people who are genuinely interested um and when I say genuinely interested I don't mean like they want to join brain play I mean like they really want to know more about science and tech and they really want their kids to be involved in it so yeah we haven't had too many I don't want to say issues but I can't think of a better word but we haven't had too many of um those occurrences you're feeling like it's still a really valuable thing to do because I I I also agree that free events can really do that but often people really worry that a free event is sending the wrong message but I I think that it's perfect especially for your model like it fits really well yeah yeah Um, I think like you're removing a barrier yeah. yeah and the understanding piece is huge like there's not many parents that would book right away if they had a six-year-old and they were going to a robotics class. I think a lot of parents would want to see what does that look like. Mm. Um, yeah, so we love like people coming along and we love them to be busy because it's like a good atmosphere and, yeah, it's good energy. Because one of the things that is a challenge for your business is that because uh, – well, there's two things. One of them that's a benefit of your business mm. is I can already tell from the way you talk and also, you know, a few <laughs> times we talked before – you're really good at working out that kind of operational structural operational manuals and, and really planning and scheduling things in, which is probably one of the reasons why the business has grown and has also uh, managed to become quite well established because if you don't have that organizational structure, no amount of creativity is, is going to keep it going. Yeah, but thank you. <laughs> well, so well, it's true. Like it's, you know, like even like when you're talking about how to try and create that, you know, and we've talked about this before, trying to create that mm-hmm. team environment when you do have like this rotating start just because yeah. of the age of the people you know there's a challenge and working really hard on that has been really paid off for you do you yeah. have aspirations like if you could wave a magic wand and had like three of you um but do you have aspirations to go I'd love to take this national um and if it was would it be something that you feel you could do yourself or was it something that you feel you would definitely need to at that point get someone else to help support that or make that happen with you Yeah, that is such a good question, Um, and it's very well-timed because I've been thinking about (laughs) it a lot recently. Yeah, Yeah, so my answer is messy, um, but it's a work in progress, and everything is sort of a work in progress. So I, 
it's really hard for me when you sort of get into a business you do it for kind of one of one of two reasons so one is it's your passion and it's what you want to do and it fulfills you and the other is you want to own a business and you want to make money and you want to have that flexibility um so I'm definitely that passion person so where I kind of get stuck is when it comes to the business side of things yes so I want to walk away feeling like fulfilled and like I've made a difference um and like yeah I've I'm making an impact and look at these amazing families that we've been able to reach and form those relationships and know every student and know their family and know where they live and yeah so I'm very like emotionally driven um but I think if you go into the territory of spreading nationwide or overseas you have to kind of put that away and you've got to be more business driven um which I also can do like I I wouldn't have gotten this far if I couldn't do that so yeah it's 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 very conflicting for me um what I'm kind of focusing on at the moment is just really solidifying what we've got Mm. like I had to grow uh really quickly because there were a lot of organizations who popped up offering the famous brain play yeah. And I was like, look, I've got to be quick. Otherwise, we're going to miss out. So really quickly, I picked where we were going to start and was like, let's do it. Let's like jump into these 15 schools. And it doesn't matter if the class is full. We're just going to do it and establish our presence, which worked at the time. Um, but now I'm sort of thinking about what is really important to me and what is going to kind of give me energy to like make those big business moves. Um mm-hmm. And that is working in schools, you know, like schools are so desperate for someone to come in and deliver this fantastic content in a way where not only students can learn, but teachers can also learn. Mm. Um, The community, like some communities don't, you know, like you say BYOD, not every community in Auckland. They can't do it. It's just out of reach. Yeah. That's right. And, And why should they miss out? Because they don't have access to the resources. Like it doesn't sit right with me that, others get more opportunity um yeah so the community stuff is really important to me at the moment and then also the ministry of education stuff because often it's um students who've been removed from school that I work with or they have um a lot of challenges that they face so it can be autism it can be OCD it can be trauma it can be all of the above um they may be not at school they may be at school two hours a week so it's just yeah, I've decided to sort of focus on the things that really fulfill me um, because I think that's going to give me the energy to make better business decisions in the future. So, I really love that because it took me yeah. a long time in my life to work that out. And you know, and I was like, we were talking about before, just before when you asked, you know, how I was going. You know, I've built this business now where I get to create content at least two days a week and yeah. podcast or write and things like that. And it really fills my tank. And it seems like that seems very self-indulgent, but it's actually because that's mm-hmm. my way of giving back because the podcast is free and my columns are free and all that other stuff is free. And, and that's giving me that thing that I needed to do to get my fulfillment. Definitely. And that doesn't yeah. mean I don't love my job, but I had a year where I was working, you know, you know, seven days a week, working with like 10 clients a week. And it was actually yeah. very profitable, but I didn't have the joy 
Yeah. And I don't want it anymore. I, I, I want to only work with the people that I feel are the right people to work with. Now. You know, that, and so I feel, I really understand that. I am going to recommend a book to you, though. I actually, you might have seen me look down before, but it's because I was like, I couldn't remember the name of the book. So um, I think when we worked together, I talked about a book called Profit First, which I always love. But it's by a guy called Mike Michalowicz, but he wrote a book called Fix This Next. And it's like 25 questions. I've read it. Yeah, okay. Because the reason yeah, I want yeah. to bring it up, because something you said, yeah. it's funny, because I this thing has been in my head before we talked all week. So we're talking about yeah, people. If, if you want to make mm. an impact, you have to have a profit, like have to have the profit yes. sort of first. And, and so yes. I do, I really see that juggle of going, I need to follow my bliss a little bit of what I really yes. think is important. And then the other side is, to make more impact, there has to be this money in there for that to flow. Absolutely. It's such a juggle. Yeah, it is. And it's such a, I think in that book, or it might be a similar one, there's like the hierarchy that they talk that about. Is, it's in that and book, exactly yeah. you're right. Yeah, so you can't, you know, you can't achieve your end goal without yeah. all of these steps in that direction. So it's kind of, yeah, balancing, like staying motivated and um, staying sane, you know, yeah. like getting through all these really tough times and making these tough decisions and um, not necessarily doing the work that you, like I, there's so many things I want to do, but I need to kind of fill in those steps before I yeah. get there. So yeah, it's, it's really hard to balance, but I feel like I've made a decision, like I've got a lot of clarity and at the moment I need to do what gives me energy. Um, and because I have for the last five years Been worked myself pouring into out into where I can finally do that. Yeah. 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 I think that's the other thing that's really important. Like I have such a belief that nothing is mm. ever wasted. And like I look back to when I was doing early childhood facilitation and I was working with parents and teachers with children who had learning difficulties and behavior issues. Yeah. And I was using some of that behavior issue stuff around how the brain works and stuff with my coaching clients last week around learning new skills and the the way we react when we're learning new skills. And I was like, well, I never would have been able to teach this if I hadn't gone and followed that bliss for a few years. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's the benefit of being 27, about to be 28, is you've definitely got time for that. It's a, yeah, we were, I was at my partner's workplace just last week um, and we were having a conversation about how, like I was saying, it's been so hard and like it's been such a struggle and there's been so many days where I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was mm -hmm. like, why am I, you know, like I'm so young and I've got hopefully so much life ahead of me, why am I grinding so mm -hmm. hard at this stage of my life when I sort of, you know, you see others and you're thinking like, mm -hmm. I wish I could. Um, like be as relaxed yes. <laughs> at a minimum. Um, so we were talking about how, yeah, we were talking about how it's so hard to do that as not a young person um, because I had no liabilities. Like I, I had no one counting on me. I didn't have a house that I had to put on the line. Um, I didn't have any money to invest. You know, I just literally said, I'm going to start this business. And then I was able to do that because I had nothing to lose. Um, but it's so hard to do that when you do have things to lose. You know, like you've got, if you've got family counting on you, um, if you've got a mortgage to pay, like if you're living this comfortable life and you want to make a massive decision like starting a business, it's so much harder. So I think, yeah, I literally had nothing to lose. So I think that has helped me 
massively um, and I'm very grateful that I made the decision when I did at like 21 or 22 years old that I was going to do this because I think it would be a lot lot harder now so yeah big admiration for anyone who does it who's not 27 years old I think that I think with that though I think that sometimes you get to a point where you're like actually the biggest thing I'm going to lose is myself and so you go I've got all those other things but on balance myself is more important so I'm just going to have to do it like I think that's why I started identify I was like I actually just have to do something for myself. And I think there are, you know, and I think the more we learn to tap into what's important for us, it's good. Now, if people want to get hold of brain, like come along to brain play or enroll their children, where would they come to find out about it? Yeah, absolutely. So we, our website is the best place, um, which is brainplay.co.nz. Um, so I am lucky enough to work from home. We don't have an office. There's no head office. It's just my dining room table or my bedroom desk, like nothing fancy. Um, but we are in quite a few places, yeah, across Auckland, like we spoke about earlier. Um, but if you jump on our website, there's like after school info, there's holiday info, there's event info. And events are the things that are mostly spread across Auckland. So you can find us somewhere nice and local. Um, yeah, if schools want to get in touch, they can as well. And then we can come in and sort of show them what it's all about and Amazing. yeah, really take over and teach, teach the kids some science and tech. That's awesome. Um, Bailey, thank you so much for being part of the show and um, all exciting with the new changes and all the best with everything that's going on. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoy listening to Bailey as much as I enjoyed talking to her and I'm really excited to hear um, from her in the future about where she's going and what she's doing as she changes and evolves with her business brand play. But I wanted to bring through a few ideas from her that uh, you could also apply to your business. First, if you've got questions about today, do come and be part of our Facebook group, Mappet Marketing. And of course, if you're wanting help with your content marketing, start with my book, Be a Spider Builder Web. The link is in the show notes. And it's a book that I'm really proud of because it's all about how to build a trust-based marketing business around your marketing that helps people trust you and fall in love with you. Right, here's a few things I'd like to take from this. The first is, I want you to ask yourself, is your business serving the life that you want to have or the life you're heading to? Because if it's not, make some changes. Be brave. Do that because this is your business and you get to do that. The second thing is, I love that and we talked about, you know, Bailey using young staff to help her, which obviously partly also probably kept costs down, uh, meant that she had flexibility around those sort of things and she had a more relatable person for her target market. But the flip side was they have a, you know, a finite time that they can work with her and she had to manage that whole turnover thing. So one of the things in business is sometimes we have to be aware of the choices that we're making. They have lots of positives, but they also have negatives and balancing that up can be really important. And the third thing is, remember, your business can evolve as you do, as you gain new skills, as you do more things. You may find different niches that you want to explore and do. By all means, do that. That's something that I have done this year as I've moved more into just coaching and and strategy around content marketing. I am one happy person, one happy marketer doing that. And that took me a long time to walk through and process, but it is a thing. Don't always just jump and make a big jump. You may have to do it as an evolution, but don't be afraid of changing and evolving your business when it no longer serves the person you were when you first started it. Right, next week it's just me and I'm looking forward to teaching you about some things I'm learning about marketing at the moment. Until then, have a great week, won't you? 
If you love what you heard today, be sure to hit subscribe. And if you love this episode in particular, I'd love it if you shared it on social media. Remember to tag me in so I can say thank you. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.